When did you add the zip lines? No, the zip lines I added, uh, they've been around for like 15, 20 years. Yeah. I mean, first I had one that just a short one uh, to the old oak tree there. Actually, it could come out of my bedroom window. I had to take a rope over to this other platform and I could zip to this tree house 50 feet up in the air and it was where if they came to get me that's where I was going to do my <laughs> ruby ridge I mean I wasn't I didn't have any weapons or anything but they wouldn't been able to get me your last stand my last stand yeah there's a place in southern Oregon filled with gorgeous natural beauty friendly yet independent people and a mild comfortable climate that place is called Grants Pass these are the stories of the people that live and work in Josephine County. These are the movers and shakers that make this place the best. This is Grants Pass VIP. Michael E. Garnier was born in Gary, Indiana in 1948 and is one of eight siblings. He attended Michigan State where he studied engineering but dropped out after he was unable to continue wrestling. He was then drafted and became a Special Forces medic with the Green Berets, where he served until 1972. Michael moved to Oregon in 1973 to be a physician's assistant and helped open the Tequilma Free Clinic. In 1975, he bought his property and eventually stopped working in medicine and started woodworking. Over the years, he built pole furniture and Dr. Birch's Yankee Doodle picture propellers until he built his first treehouse in 1990. Over the last 25 years, he has been a pioneer in the treehouse world. Innovating and designing the Garnier Limb has enabled him and countless others to build treehouses all over the world. His latest endeavor, the Treehouse Guys, began in 2013 and continues showing today. Michael, welcome to the Grants Pass VIP Podcast. Well, thank you. Yeah, we like to talk to people. I mean, it's not just about Grants Pass. It's about people throughout Josephine County or people that have an effect on Josephine County. What you've built up here is an institution and kind of a, a world landmark in a sense. I see it everywhere I go. I'm always seeing things drawing people back to out and about. And this is just fabulous. I consider it the largest concentration of tree houses in the world. Wow, that's great stuff. And you've been doing it a while here. I saw a lot of the history regarding it, and hopefully we can dig into that as we go. Besides what we heard about in your bio, who are you and how would people know you? Well, they might have seen me in the papers from you know, the controversy where uh, I've had a battle with Josephine County that's been going on for over 30 years, uh, which is actually getting close to being resolved after only 30 years. So, <laughs> Fabulous. <laughs> um, but uh, there was a lot of newspaper articles, a lot of uh, news articles and TV and um, on a lot of travel shows and, you know, a place where you can actually come and stay in the trees. And it's, it's world-renowned. And we also used to, they had a, a real bitch in a Fourth of July party here, which... Uh, <laughs> We didn't have last year. Last year would have been my 30th anniversary, but wow. because of COVID, we didn't. But hopefully this year, we will again. This will be the probably one of the final ones, but hopefully we'll have all our permits and throw a heck of a party. Oh, that's incredible. How did you end up here? Why would you choose this area out of all others? Well, I go, <laughs> that's a kind of a long story. Uh, but let me see. What is? Listen to this. You hear that? Yeah. Okay, well, that's one of the things that we do here, and that's 
the sound of a zip line. That's why they call it a zip line because it's kind of got a, a zip, you know, to it. But anyway, they're just finishing up a course. So uh, we can get back to that later. See, like you said, I was born in Gary, Indiana. And basically, I got out of there as soon as I was able. <laughs> and so after the service, I was looking for a place to come. One of the guys I was in the service was from actually Medford, Oregon. And he told me about all the mountains and the clean rivers and the trees. And I was from Flatland, Indiana, and it sounded really interesting to me. Plus, uh, back then, uh, this was in 1972, that the end of the world was, you know, possibly going to come from a, a nuclear attack mm -hmm. or the Russians invading us. And Oregon looked like a very good place to come to uh, as far as uh, for um, fallout and just a lot of free land to be able to survive in. So I'm sort of a, looked at it as a survivalist uh, thing, mm -hmm. but uh, more the clean rivers and you know, tall trees and mountains. Yeah. But, uh, um, so there was a physician's assistant school that was starting out in Portland. Uh, so I moved out to Portland uh, to go to the school, uh, but the school never got established. It never took roots, but I ran into this doctor uh, at the Portland Free Clinic outside in and uh, said, hey, do you want to come down with me and uh, check out setting up a free clinic down in uh, Tacoma, Oregon. I said, well, where's that? And he said, Cave Junction, <laughs> Southern Oregon. Well, I had looked around Cave Junction because I had Smoke Jumpers Base yeah. and the Calmeopsis Wilderness. I had already seen that on a map. I didn't know where Tacoma was, but I knew where Cave Junction was. I said, sure, I'll go. I came down here and on my first visit, actually, we went to the Magic Forest Farm. Uh, uh, basically, Tequilma was a, an old hippie community, mm -hmm. and back then there was uh, some conflict between the long hairs and the rednecks, or the hippies <laughs> and the rednecks, and uh, basically uh, the local health department didn't want anything to do with long hairs or the hippies, and so that was a need for setting up a free clinic. Anyway, I, we stayed at the Magic Forest Farm, and on my birthday in 1972, I went for a walk. I walked across this back meadow here, right? The Magic Forest Farm is over there, and we walked across, and I walked across this meadow, and right behind you, it's not there anymore, but there was a giant oak tree. Huh. And uh, you can see it over there. It's laying down on the ground. Anyway, I said, wow, that's a neat tree, and I wonder if anybody lives here. Uh, so a year later, I was living here, and a year after that, uh, uh, I owned the place. Uh, wow. And uh, I just knew when I walked across here that it just felt like, you know, where I wanted to be. And Now, the big thing now was to figure out how to make a living here. Yeah. I mean, I was a, a physician's assistant for a while, but it just, and I was pretty good at sewing people up, but internal medicine didn't really... I couldn't, didn't really quite have the knack for it. There was just, uh, couldn't tell if somebody was faking it or not, or, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, um, I even got a degree in psychology to try to figure it all out, and wow. that didn't really help me. But I ended up becoming an MDGQ. Is yeah. what, it's one of those Qs, you know. But this oh, wow. th this uh, Q is, stands for mighty damn good quack. <laughs> and uh, so I did a medicine show for a while, then I got into woodworking, uh, and I, I made uh, furniture with Delbert, 
Delwood Coffin was one of the first, and is one of the first, uh, one of the old pioneers at Tacoma. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people started working for him. Anyway, I worked for him doing pole fencing and pole barns and did pole furniture. <laughs> I also um, carved out a picture propeller, which is an organic psychedelic kaleidoscope. Um, and I really enjoyed working with wood, but it was still it was hard making a living here mm. out of that. So the beautiful area, the whole thing came down to a question of how to make a living. I got the idea of, uh, I had built a tree house for my kids and it was really funky. I took the ladder down after I saw them play 18 feet up in the tree. But I looked at that tree house for a long time and figured out how they'd do it if I had the time and if I had the money. After a while of, of living here, and actually I started a, a bed and breakfast uh, with English wife at the time. Mm -hmm. um, she did horseback riding, and, uh, and this cabin over here we had as our bed and breakfast. Uh, but nobody came, you know. And so I finally looked up at that tree house and I said, you know, I, I'm ready to... I learned a lot more about how to build and everything in, in the 10 years that it sat for there. So in 1990, I built my first tree house. Everybody thought I was crazy. For one, it was in Tacoma, it was in this hippie community. <laughs> and, you know, there was kind of shacky houses and, you know, or creative houses all over the place. Uh, but um, I built it anyway. And, you know, the old saying is, built it and they will come. Well, they came. and. That was the start of it, but the, then right after, I ran into a problem with the county. Mm -hmm. Now, I had gone into the county back in 1990 and asked for a show to my idea about a treehouse, and the planning department was excited about it, but the building department was not. <laughs> and uh, uh, basically, they told me that I couldn't get a, a permit for a treehouse. Well, my engineer that I had at the time, you know, his suggestion was, well, if they won't give you a permit, build it to code anyway as much as you can. They said I couldn't get a permit because it didn't have a, a concrete or uh, treated wood foundation. And uh, my argument was a tree was <laughs> the foundation. Yeah. And they didn't accept that. Anyway, um, that started a long uh, battle that kind of went back and forth over the last 30 years. It's gone from bad to worse to better to, you know, bad again and then to back to getting better. And uh, and actually over the last six, seven years, it's, it's been working out uh, a little bumpy. But for one, at first I was at planning, it was just a bed and breakfast, but then I built more tree houses than that and it didn't fit in the bed and breakfast mm -hmm. and I became a private park. And then for building, at first uh, they said I couldn't get a, perm a building permit, but then I, had a, I even went to the state of Oregon to the uh, building uh, department there to the head of the, you know, the state building board and they actually ruled that yes indeed I could get a, mm. a building permit. So with the help of my engineer, Charlie Greenwood, and actually uh, the first uh, building inspector I had a hard time was Frank Honeycutt. He eased up a little bit when he talked to Dave Bassett, who had come out here and said, hey, these are really pretty well built. 
And then uh, Dave Bassett became the building inspector at one time, and it was, you know, things were able to move through a little bit better during him. And then it went back. I don't need to name all the different names of some of the um, a-holes that were yep. part of the, <laughs> the different parts of uh, planning and building. And all. And then there was, yes, there was a county commissioner's or, who, which I had quoted at one time, and uh, I think it was uh, uh, one of which I can't remember which magazine it was. I forgot my notes, um, <laughs> where I called them the Tree Stooges. Uh, and that was like uh, Irv Whiting, Hagen, and then Boingasser. Mm-hmm. All right. They even charged me with contempt of court and were trying to put me in jail for, wow. um, you know, I had tear down orders that I had a fight. Uh, I had a, went to court, and it's been a long battle, mm-hmm. but uh, through all in all, actually, the county's been been able to work through it. Yeah. You know, so I've been able to stay open, even though to stay open sometimes I was selling tree shirts. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. didn't, uh, you didn't pay to stay here, you bought a dated one-of-a-kind tree shirt, yep. which was a t-shirt with a picture of the tree house on it. And, that didn't guarantee that you would spend the night, but if you spent that night on that night, then I would sign that shirt. So then you would have a dated one-of-a-kind tree shirt. <laughs> a rough version of, yeah. of it. No, that's great. That, so in the very beginning, how did you get the word out? You had your original tree house out here. How did you get the word out to bring people in? Well, it's a, a thing called a publicity. There wasn't very many tree houses back then. Actually, uh, I ran into this guy, um, uh, Peter Nelson, who was wanting to do a book on tree houses. Okay, so I met him back in '92, and he took pictures of the peacock perch. You know, he had built one tree house and had that. So his book came out in '94, and lo and behold, my tree house was on the cover of that book. Uh, so from that, I got on Good Morning America. I got, and before that, I had gotten on travel shows, and it just the publicity. It was unique enough that, you know, um, it, it got the word out there. Yeah. And every time I got a national publication or or airing on, you know, the phone would ring off the hook, because they say location, location, location. I have a beautiful location, but it's very hard to find. Yeah. That. Uh, it's just snowballed and from there it's uh you know word of mouth and the internet i also was able in 1994 i got the the domain name Mm treehouses.com and so i've had punch in treehouse i come up number one wow so from there from peter nelson doing his book has caused there was sort of a um a revival of treehouse building or uh, an expansion of it Mm -hmm. uh and from the need to get a permit uh, and get them permitted and make them stronger, I got together with Pete and we started a World Treehouse Conference and had conferences on it. And also that with Charlie, with being able to show, prove that they're strong enough, um, needed to come up with a better method of um, of building a treehouse. Now, a lot of kids' treehouses are done with just nailing boards to trees, mm-hmm. okay? What I did was I bolted metal to the tree and then bolted the wood to the metal. 
and that gave it to last longer and made it stronger. Uh, and then actually the tree would grow around the metal and bolster block the metal. Then the wood, because it wasn't touching wood to wood, lasted longer. And I was able, uh, because it bolts were blocked, and that's why uh, one of the ways that I got a permit was to show that they were strong enough was doing stress testing. Mm. I was able to stress test the treehouse to show that it was strong enough to meet code uh, by actually putting people up in the tree. All right, so in 92, I got on the cover. Of, uh, well, it came out in uh, 94, and that's when they, because it came out, and I got on Good Morning America, and then the county came down and ordered me to tear it down. And then on July 4th, in Trependence Day, I put 66 people up in the treehouse, you know, two dogs, a cat, we're not sure if the hummingbird lighted, and that was over 10,000 pounds, and that's what that size structure needed to hold, and so it passed code requirement on that. So, <laughs> And then from that, they rescinded the order, and the, but then I still had to go to the state, and the battle, like I mm -hmm. said, was going to be going back and forth for a long time, but uh, we, like, we've come a long way. You know, from that one tree house to, I have now like 16 of them here, so. So you have 16 right now. When did you add the zip lines? No, zip lines I added, uh, they've been in around for like 15, 20 years. Yeah. I mean, first I had one that just a short one uh, to the old oak tree there. Actually, it could come out of my bedroom window. I had to take a rope over to this other platform and I could zip to this treehouse 50 feet up in the air and it was where if they came to get me that's where I was going to do my <laughs> ruby ridge I mean I wasn't I didn't have any weapons or anything but they wouldn't been able to get me your last stand my last stand yeah so uh, but it never came to that I mean even on, on the you know they did go me for contempt of court uh, but the judge ruled that even though they had an enforcement agent that saw somebody come out of one of the tree houses in the morning in their pajamas and have a cup of coffee and go back, that that wasn't enough evidence to prove that they were actually inhabiting yeah. the tree house. So he found me not guilty, which then took the wind out of their sails so they couldn't really enforce it. So then they started working with me and, and mm. uh, allowed me to get permits. So. That's really great. You've got zip lines, you've got tree houses. What well, else? horseback riding. Remember, yeah. I first started with horseback riding oh, and, yeah. and, uh, and the cabin, and nobody yeah. came. Uh, then I got the tree house, and uh, everybody came and wanted to stay in that. Everybody and their kids. That one I built <laughs> just for an adult tree house, but everybody and their kids. So then I built the, the Swiss Family Robinson, which was, you know, had room for the little kids. Yeah. That filled up, so my money came back to me, actually. And I took that money along with credit cards and, and advanced bookings and built uh, the, the suite. Wow. You know, so and then that money came back, and so it just kept growing to where I was able to. My money came back, I took that money and put it back into tree houses, <laughs> and it, uh, it grew to, to what it is. Now I employ like 35 people. So. Wow, that's incredible. Okay, let's take a break from that conversation. I wanted to bring up a question for you. During these crazy times, do you feel like your business is indestructible? Most people don't. And if not, the real question is why? And what can you do to make it as indestructible as possible? Well, that's the basis of my new book, 
nine ways to Amazon proof your business. Let me talk about what we discuss in the third chapter, the third way for you to Amazon proof your business, which is be different. In the third chapter, I go into really how do you put yourself out there and be seen as unique where you really don't even have competition. And there's ways of doing this. In fact, I talk about two specific books that you should go out and get. And these aren't difficult books to read. These are fun books, books that will inspire you and give you creative juices necessary to be able to really stand out and be different. You don't have to be wacky. You don't have to be outrageous, but you do have to appear different. And if you can appear different from everyone else out there, not only will you not have the competition of Amazon.com, you won't have any competition. But I also have eight other ways to Amazon proof your business. Basically the idea of making it competition proof to even someone as big as amazon.com. So if you'd like to get your hands on a free copy of my book, go to amazonproofbook.com. Sign up and you will get a free copy and get the chance to purchase a physical copy of it for a special price. In addition to that, if you happen to be in the Josephine County area or nearby, and you're looking to have a speaker come and discuss these type of issues with your organization, club, or group of friends, then I have a limited calendar that I may be able to fit you into. Go check out brianjpombo.com speaking and fill out the application. We'll be sure and get back to you on that. And now let's get back to our show. What would you say is the top draw nowadays? What brings in the most people or what um, what treehouse gets the most bookings? All the ones with bathrooms are the first ones. Yeah. Did. Now, our first treehouse didn't have uh, any bathrooms in it. I had the Peacock Perch had a sink, though. Mm -hmm. um, and basically, I had to build a whole new septic system for that sink. Yeah. I mean, wow. <laughs> it's fine. Did it? I mean, because I I filled that septic system up, but it was just kind of ironic that <laughs> that I had to do a whole septic system just for a sink. Um, I already had one, but I had to do another one. Yeah. Anyway, um, so I mean, people were willing to come and stay in a treehouse and still have to come down on the ground and go yeah. to a bathroom. Yeah. You know, I used to say, I used to have a chamber pot in up there for the, <laughs> that I said, for the ladies at night, you can, here's a chamber pot for the guys as a porch, <laughs> you know, but things have gotten more crowded since then. And, <laughs> um, but uh, as I developed and got better at building tree houses and making them bigger, because you need room for a bathroom, yeah. you know, so. I was able to, you know, make them bigger, and now I sort of plan on them. They have, they all have bathrooms. So, but uh, the taller they are, you know, the more popular and the bigger they are. And as long as they have a bathroom and a yeah. shower, fabulous. Well, that's great. So, with all that's happened, especially in this past year, year and a half now, where we're dealing with COVID nineteen and everything, how's that affected how you do business around here? Well, yes, it's. It's been quite a year. Um, basically, when COVID hit, we felt we were probably in a good position still because because of the way we're set up. I mean, we have units that are separated. So we have social distancing built into the tree houses. Mm -hmm. So we adapted on uh, our breakfasts, though, were, that was one of the focal points of, of the resort because it's kind of a family resort and the whole experience one of the things about it is that it's 
you met other people here. It's not like going to a big hotel, right? Yeah. You actually meet people here, and breakfast time was one of the times where you interacted with them mm. a lot. And that we had to get rid of, so mm. we, you know, do bag lunches and, you know, to-go lunch, to-go breakfasts, uh, basically breakfasts. So we closed down coming into the resort and having breakfast. People took it up, up to their rooms or outside. Uh, that increased our garbage twofold, but uh, it didn't cause too many cancellations until they closed down the state, and everybody stopped, you know, staying at home. And, and so that, you know, for a good two months, we were pretty much no business. Mm. Um, but once they opened it up, it, it it came back, and it's actually this is probably this winter has been the best winter that we've had just because we're kind of an ideal place to come for, you know, for COVID. Yep. Um, and uh, basically outdoors and social distance. Now, for our zip lines, um, we require you to wear a mask because mm. you're up on a platform. And when you and we still do horseback riding, and uh, we require you to wear a mask when you um, get on the horse, but once you're out on the trail, you don't need it. We require you to have a mask when you come inside the resort, but a lot of it's outside. Mm -hmm. And then you, I don't feel too bad. The other place where we, where the guests would congregate was around the fireplace. Well, I, you know, I feel pretty good about that because you, you're congregating around a fireplace, a fire that's taking everything and purifying <laughs> it in between you. So you yeah. can yell at the guy on the other side and no spit will get there. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> So, uh, and it seems that people seem to uh, realize that, and I think that uh, a lot of people are, uh, we're just a very COVID-friendly place to yeah. come. If we were to talk, say, a year from now, if we had you back on the show and talked to you, and we look back over the past 12 months, uh, everything that had happened, what would you say would have had to have happened for you to feel happy with your progress and where things are going? Well. As long as COVID doesn't come back and slap us for some uh, divergence or, yeah. or uh, deviation of it, uh, uh, I think we should be fine. I think we'll recover, you know, quite well. Now the fire, as long as we don't have another fire, the fire hit us pretty hard too. Mm. We, actually, we had to evacuate. I mean, we had mm. to, we had to get people up in the morning and tell them, okay, it's time to go, because the fire was raging over the hill. Luckily, yeah. the next day it sort of stopped and choked out, you know, but that cut us, that shut us down for a good three weeks. Mm. So as long as there's not another fire. Fires, the smoke and stuff is one of the things that can can cause us havoc here. Yeah. But, uh, and I've got uh, three more tree houses that I gotta get permitted. Oh, and, wow. Uh, I'm down to just those. As long as nothing goes wrong, I'll be happy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you think a lot of the um, controversy that's happened through the years regarding codes and, and all your fighting with the county and state and so forth, do you think any of that has come back to you in terms of good publicity? Well, yeah, it has. It's, it's a controversy. Yeah. It has uh, um, caused publicity. Yep. And so even though it hasn't been, that hasn't been the headlines, I mean... Uh, and actually, with the conference and the other treehouse builders and everybody, actually, um, our business was growing 
almost exponential until about oh, four or five years ago it started leveling out. One of the things was, okay, we have the treehouse shows too. Mm. There was the treehouse masters, which Peter Nelson was in, yeah. all right, and then, uh, and then the treehouse guys. And then from our success, there's been a lot of other people that are doing it now, like on Airbnb, one of the most searched uh, places to stay is in tree houses. So oh. there's a lot, I've helped a lot of people, have built and helped a lot of people build tree houses that are rented out. Yeah. So we're not the only ones anymore. For, mm -hmm. Like I said, we're, I consider us the largest concentrations of tree houses in the world, but we are, by, and beforehand we were the only ones, mm -hmm. you know, but now there's others and, um, there's competition in that. It's sort of, it's sort of uh, slowed us down. We even, you know, lost some, you know, business. We sort of leveled off, and, mm -hmm. and uh, but uh, we're still doing good. I mean, to expand, I need to finish with the building department. And actually, I've started a, another a piece of property uh, where I've got another tree house and starting a, a plan on another one. It's it's actually that's a bud and breakfast. This is a family resort area, and but uh, this is also this area is you know has been a, a growing area for ever since I've been well, for mostly ever since I've been here. <laughs> Actually, it was 1976 that the price of marijuana went up to where everybody started growing it to make money. Oh, how interesting! Yeah. Um, but um, now it's become legal and it's very competitive, and there's. Uh, what I'm I venture that I'm going for is is I guess uh, marijuana tourism, you know, so that uh, it's sort of like uh, Napa Valley. Yep. This is kind of one of the Napa Valleys for the or the Emerald Northern part of the Emerald Triangle, and uh, to make some money on tourists coming here to uh, smell the flowers, so to speak. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But the you know the fall flowers, not the spring flowers. Uh, so I've started, I've, I've built a tree house at another piece of property, um, and I'm planning on building more. That's where I'm putting my energy. You see any obstacles standing in your way besides the threat of wildfire, the threat of COVID? Is there anything else that's standing in your way? It sounds like the coding issues are slowly receding. No, I'm I mean, I try to encourage other people to kind of do the same thing yeah. on that because as, you know, as it becomes more legal and as it becomes more commercial, the little guy is going to get squeezed out of the, mm -hmm. you know, the, the growing. But if we can to help develop a cannabis tourism business to go along with it, which would be places to stay, nice, unique places to stay, I, I really feel for the county... We don't have any big Hyatts or yeah. you know Ramadas or anything like that, but uh, we can be known. Uh, and that was my whole intent with uh, Josephine. My argument with the planners and everything: look, we should be known as the place because we have the trees mm -hmm. to build. You know, to be known as a world concentration of tree houses yep. and places to stay. And uh, we should be able to expand on that. And I think they have listened to that and have worked for that. And the more, like I said, I've lost business because the rest of the world is now yeah. has more tree houses. 
but I'm still up there. And uh, But the interest has grown further than it ever has, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes, it has. So I think there's still room, you know, for it. Now, you're going to have the same thing with the cannabis industry. Now, some people may not want to have anything to do with it and shut it down, but I think it's here to stay, and it's a clean industry, you know. And one of the things for me was that... Uh, you know, I loved working with wood, but, you know, I didn't really want to make my living cutting down trees. And, you know, I wanted to put added value to them. And, and an added value to a tree can be, it, it gets get bigger when you cut it down and make it into something that's, you don't just sell it as a two-by-four. You make it into something pretty and get more money from it. Or you, you keep your forest big and, you know, green and you have more people come and visit them. You know, you don't have to live in a burned out, uh, well, hopefully we don't have to live in a burned out, logged out area, <laughs> you know, so how do we retain that and, and make money off of that? Mm -hmm. I'm, I think that logging is, can be done in a, you know, selective way that uh, still works for everybody, so, and then tree houses fit right in with that. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's great. Well, what could a listener do if they want to find out more? About well, we got, remember, I have the treehouses.com. Treehouses.com, yep. You know, remember that tree houses, because I have more than one tree house. So <laughs> if you go to treehouses.com, you can find out about staying here at, at the resort. You can find out about how to build them, how to zip, how to ride horses, and everything's on that website. So it's easy to remember, treehouses.com. Thank you so much. Michael Garnier, thanks so much for being on the Grants Pass VIP podcast. Take care, everybody. Okay, I took some time out to pull over right after leaving Out and About Treesort. Such a great time. I had such a good time with Michael. It's really amazing to meet somebody who's a pioneer on so many levels being a pioneer in the entire treehouse craze being a pioneer really bringing growth to this area of southern oregon that never had it before on so many different levels he likes to be out in front of things and it's just really cool to meet somebody who has so much innovation and creativity and passion about what he does that he's willing to fight the powers that be whether you agree or disagree he's certainly fought for his rights to be able to do what he wants out here in Tacoma it's really fabulous meeting somebody of this caliber and being able to hang out in the place that he created I don't know if you know this about me I'm very much in what they call FEC buff FEC is a uh, family entertainment centers so anything having to do with theme parks or activities or things that families can do out and about, whether it be miniature golf or zip lining or hanging out in a treehouse, I just love this stuff. I eat it up. It's so amazing to me to get out there and feel it and be in it and to see families having a great time, which I definitely got to see today, even though we're on the tail end of winter. There really are quite a few people out here having a great time. There's a lot of things that I think are obvious that Michael has done right. And I want to point out some of the less obvious ideas that I don't think a lot of people would see right off the bat. Number one, there's a guy named Dan Kennedy who's a bit of a marketing expert. And he says that 
when business owners have an idea that they get out there and they want it to become sticky, they want it to become engaging and get a following, one of the things they do is kind of create their own language. And that's definitely what Michael has done. He has used the word tree in every way that he could, any uh, pun-oriented manner that you can come up with. All you got to do is check out his website to see all the different ways. He calls it the tree resort for crying out loud. I mean, it's just great. And he uses it just like it's normal, everyday language. And when you do that, you endear people to you. You build up kind of a following just in switching around the language. It's a really interesting thing that he does, but that little tiny thing, which is cute at first, what you realize is that it's building up a culture and it's built up this counterculture of treehouse enthusiasts that has spread around the world. I don't think I mentioned this to Michael, but when I tell people where I live and I'm somewhere else in the country or in the world, there's two things that people ask me about the most. One, they'll ask me about the Shakespeare Festival out in Ashland. The other thing that they always ask me about is the tree houses right out here at Out and About. And that's pretty spectacular to have something that is somewhat of a world landmark with certain people. Uh, that's pretty incredible. And he's got a legacy that will continue on and on and on here, I'm sure. But I hope you found this interesting. He's one of the people that make our area so unique and fun. Join us again on the next Grants Pass VIP, brought to you by the team at brianjpombo.com. Helping movers and shakers in Southern Oregon and beyond stand out. That's B-R-I-A-N-J-P-O-M-B-O.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest or a sponsor on Grants Pass VIP, go to grantspassvip.com forward slash contact. Guests who appear on the show do not necessarily endorse the opinions of the host or sponsors. The theme music is Fun Shot by Kevin McLeod. Our host is a Grants Pass resident and business strategist, Brian Pombo. I'm executive producer, Shawnee Douglas. Until next time, live rogue and have fun.